Good evening, family. Our head chef is out on assignment. So he has called on this busboy to prepare tonight's meal. Last time I prepared a meal, he allowed me to do the dishes, so I got a little closer. So hopefully tonight, I prepare a meal that will satisfy you. And I know God will fill us because this place is set apart and is holy. Not because of you, not because of me, but because this is his will and his plan that we gather under his banner to accomplish his purposes in your life. So there is something that we're all going to hear, including myself, that's going to transform me and you for the rest of your life. Because we're going to talk about the some of the mysteries of the Holy Spirit. But before I start, let me hide behind the cross. Lord, I run behind the cross that you died on so that I may not be seen. We don't want to hear from me. We want to see you. We want to see the sacrifice and the blood that you shed for us. We want to experience the miracle that after you were buried, you rose on the third day. We want to believe these things, Lord, and tuck them deep in our heart like a seed so it can bear fruit. And I'm asking you, God, that that's what we may hear and see tonight. You. That we may hear from you. That we may smell you. That we may taste you. And that we may feel you. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. The name given above every other name created from past time and even into the future that has power to save and rescue the souls of men and women. From eternal damnation. The name above all name. Jesus Christ. And it's in your name that we gather here tonight Lord. And we thank you for providing a place. That we can sit here and eat from you. So I'm going to take us to school. To elementary. And do a throwback. English grammar. What is a noun? You get a sticker. Now, what is a pronoun? Yeah, it's a word that can be used to replace a noun. So, for example, my name is Gucci. That's a noun. A pronoun would be he or him. My wife, Serena, that's her name. That's a noun. A pronoun would be she or her. We're the Ureñas. So that's a noun. A pronoun would be they or them. Okay, now, go with me to John 15, 26. And for those of you who didn't bring a Bible, we brought a Bible for you. (laughs) 
And this is the first mystery. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Did you see that noun in there? He. The Holy Spirit is a definite person. One of the members of the Trinity, he is not just an influence or a mystical power. He is a person. Now, I want us to take apart his name for more insight. The Holy Spirit. Let's start with the word holy. What does the word holy mean to you when you hear it? Complete, set apart, dedicated, consecrated. The word holy has that significance of like your fine china that you have in your house that only when Biden or Trump come over, you take it out. And the regular dishes you use for us when we come over, that's what the word holy signifies. That special, set apart, consecrated. Now the word spirit, what does that mean? When you hear the word spirit, what comes to your mind? Spirit is the non-physical part of a person. It's their soul. It's the immaterial part of someone. You can't taste it. You can't feel it. You can't hear it. You can't smell it. You can't feel it. A spirit is the non-physical part of a person. So now, I want you to look, at, look with me how the Holy Spirit is aligned with God the Father and God the Son in this next verse, in 2 Corinthians 13. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You see here how God the Son, a person, God the Father, a person, and God the Holy Spirit, a person, are aligned here together. That's another mystery. That God, in his wisdom, expects you and me to have communion with the Holy Spirit. What is communion? Intimacy. It's a little more. It's sharing and exchanging intimacy. What type of intimacy am I supposed to have with the Holy Spirit? Your thoughts that nobody sees and your feelings that nobody knows is what we're supposed to have and exchange with the Holy Spirit. Now, why would the Holy Spirit be involved in our thoughts and in our feelings? I want you to put a 
thumbtack right there, a little bookmark. We're going to get back to this, and you'll see why later on. We're going to get into this a little deeper. Why the Holy Spirit wants to have communion, which is an intimate dialogue with you regarding your thoughts and your feelings. And this is all mentioned, the Trinity, to highlight that fact. Now, I want to switch gears, and I want real quick to make a sharp left turn and go somewhere fast to show you something else. The first acts, one of the first acts of the Holy Spirit that he does in our life once we believe. Now, when someone accepts Christ as Savior, which simply means you believe Jesus died for your sins. He was buried. And he rose on the third day. Once someone believes in that, spiritually, supernaturally, mysteriously, unsearchably, miraculously, without any feelings, without taste, sound, sight, nor smell, the Holy Spirit begins to dwell within that individual and is baptized into his body, into his family, into his crew. That's his initiation process. You can't feel it. You can't hear it. It's supernatural. But he baptizes you into his crew. And I want to prove it to you. In 1 Corinthians 13, it reads... I'm going to read it to you because they're not lining up. And for as the body is one and has many members, the body is one, it has many members, but all the members of that body who are a lot are one body, so also is Christ. So it's saying that even though Christ is one, he has a body. And we are all part of the body because by one spirit, we are all baptized into this one body. So when someone believes in the gospel that he died for your sins, he was buried, and on the third day rose, we spiritually get baptized into his family. This is one of the first works that the Holy Spirit does. He baptizes you and me when we accept Christ as Savior at the new birth. When we become born again, we become a member of the body of Christ. This is not water baptism. This is a spiritual one, okay? Remember in Matthew 3, 11? Hopefully this one comes. We, no, that's 13, but we're close. <laughs> we're going to get there. 
In Matthew 3.11, who has it? Somebody brought a Bible here today, no? <laughs> Go ahead, Charles. Stop right there. This is John the Baptist speaking. Go for it. I indeed baptize you with water. Thank you, brother. So you see there, John preached the gospel of repentance and baptized with water. But Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. But who gets baptized? Just anybody? No. Only those that believe he died for their sins. And that he was buried and rose on the third day. Why do you think the buried and the third day is crucial, not just that he died for your sins? Because you and me have to die. You know what you have to die to? The love of sin that we have. We have to kill it. We have to mortify this flesh. And I'm going to get deeper into this later. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's look at another mystery in Galatians 3.27. Yes. <laughs> Wait, go back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It's a mystery. For as many of you, and this is for me too, who were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Are you and am I putting on Christ? I'm going to hit us on the head with a hammer. Get ready. Hold your seat. Here we have a mention of putting on Christ. What does this mean, Gooch? This is where and why so many of us don't live an exceptional life in Christ. We don't put on Christ. I kind of compare it to money. We all have some. But most of us just use it to get by. You see, we all have the Holy Spirit in us. We're all baptized in and by the Holy Spirit. But we, you, me, don't put on Christ. Where are you going with this, Gooch? First, we are baptized into his body when we get saved. We get that. I'm part of his family because I believe he rescued me and you from going to hell and heaven is secured. But now... We have to put on Christ. What does that mean? I'm not going to explain it. I'm going to let the Bible explain it. In first, whoop, Colossians 3. Yeah, we got it. We're good. Therefore, as the elect of God, that's you and me, 
elected by God. Holy and beloved. You see that word there, holy? That means you're holy. That means you're set apart. That means you're like that fine china. And you're beloved. You're loved. Look what it says there. Put on. What am I supposed to put on, Gooch? Is tender mercies really a shirt? Is kindness really a scarf? Is humility really a clothing item? Meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so we must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Gooch, hurry up, let's move on. Nope. I'm going to break every one of these down to see if I'm being a person that's showing tender mercies. Are you showing tender mercies? What is that? That's compassion. That's leniency. That's having pity on others. Do you think, think of a courtroom and you're the judge. Are you being lenient with others when they trespass? Mr. T used to say, I pity a fool. <laughs> you remember him? Remember that? You know why he used to say that? Because he really felt bad for someone he was about to beat up. He really genuinely felt bad. Do we feel bad when we know we have the power and the authority to destroy somebody? Kindness is being friendly, generous, considerate of others. Do you say hi to people just because? Do you give? Do you share what you have? Meekness. It has a leaning of submission. We're Americans here. We don't like that S word. That's like a curse word because we're so independent and free. It's being docile. It's being obedient. Do you follow instructions when you're given them? Do you get excited to obey instructions when they're given to you? In any area of your life, work, home, family, friends, the government. Are we ready like a dog that's trained right and happy to obey its master? Do we have that attitude and reverence before the Lord waiting to hear what he wants me to do with my life? Long-suffering is being patient, tolerant in difficult situations. It's like a rubber band that is stretched, stretched a little more, stretched a little more. What's going to happen? It's going to pop, right? But you know what God's plan is? That it don't pop. He wants to keep stretching us. And stretching us. 
and stretching us. And you think it's going to pop. But he's like, you're not going to pop. Just hold on. I want to stretch you a little more. That's what patience is. And I'm going to prove it to you. In James 1, 2 to 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into all kind of trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its work. Don't give up. Don't bend. Don't fold. Hold on. He knows you can take it. He knows you can stretch a little more. Don't give up. Hold on. Stand your ground. Whatever it is in your life right now that you're about to break or you feel you're going to bend or you're going to break, hold on. He knows you can handle it. He knows you can keep stretching. And he tells us why he does this to us. Look, let patience have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Back to the other verse, listing all these things that we're going to hammer each other with. Bearing one another. Bearing with one another in 13. What does that mean? It goes together with the next sentence where it's about forgiving people. Forgiveness is overlooking faults. Letting them off the hook. Not that you agree with them. But you're letting it slide. Why? Because you want to cover their sin. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. So God wants us to be forbearing, bearing one another, forgiving. And look at the last pill that he wants us to swallow in our prescription of things to put on. Love. He wants us to put on love. Gooch, how do I put on love? What is that? Anybody? What's love? Okay. The Bible's going to tell us. In John 15, 13, it tells us clearly. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down your life for your friend. How do I put on love? You lay down your life for the well-being of somebody else. When you see a need, when you hear of a hurt, when you see something that you can do to make somebody else's life much better, that's love. When you sacrifice of yourself for the well-being of somebody else, that's putting on love. Are we putting on these things? Do we honestly put on all these things that are Christ-like behaviors daily in our life in order to show that we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? There is help. There is hope. And there is a secret to get us to put on Christ. 
first, there's something we have to put off. Because if we got this stuff on already, it needs to come off in order to be able to put on Christ. Gooch, where are you going with this? I'm going to explain. But before I go there, we have to put off these things in order to walk in the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why this place is called Full Gospel. Because we teach, we talk, and we try to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this now. A few verses back where we were in Colossians 3.8, we're going to see what we have to put off in order to make room to put on Christ. You see, because we can't come without dirt and put on Christ. Colossians 3, 8 and 9. <laughs> A little more. We're getting there. There you go. But now you yourselves, you, yourself, not Jesus, not your mother, not your pastor, not your wife, not your brother, you yourself have to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language that comes out of your mouth, lying, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. We're going to break this down again. What is anger? You guys might be surprised. Anger is when you get annoyed, and then you get hostile, and then you get irritable. Does anyone here relate to that? <laughs> Can anybody share? So you see, that is one of the main ingredients that we have to put off. If we don't put that off, if we don't get control over that, guess what? We'll never be able to put on Christ. And guess what? You won't be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to hear this a lot in church. You're not going to hear that you have a responsibility. We mostly say he paid it all and he did for our sins. Like I told you earlier, and I'm going to explain a little more. But you yourselves, me, have a responsibility if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to put off these things. And one of the main ones is anger. And I'm talking to believers and Christians here tonight. If any of you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not talking to you yet. So take a chill pill. But for those of you who know Jesus, this is for me and this is for you. If we don't put that anger that leads to being annoyed, then we get hostile, then we get irritable. You know what it leads to? It leads to wrath. And now wrath is when you don't put your anger on check, it starts leading us to act, to be, to, to, to be rageful, to get furious. And as sometimes we even go into vengeance in our wrath. See, vengeance is not by itself. It starts with anger. 
And then it leads to that. And after that, <laughs> here's the snowball effect. It leads to malice. It just gets worse and worse. Now you start doing things out of spite from having a grudge. And you start having ill will towards people. You see how the root starts getting deeper in your life? When we don't put the first thing, anger, on check, it just starts building and leading now into cursing and swearing and profaning God with our blasphemies because we're angry. <laughs> we're, we're speaking out of spite. And then the filthy language, not just cursing, but now we perverse our speech with sexual jests and become rude and sarcastic. You know what sarcasm is? When you mock somebody to their face, when you ridicule, when you taunt them, because you're pushing buttons, right? Guess whose characteristic is that of? That's demons that do that because they want to tempt us to sin. But here we are, Baptized in the Holy Spirit on our way to heaven, but because we're not controlling our anger, we're taunting other people to sin. And then we lie. We become dishonest. And we don't love truth anymore. <laughs> it's not becoming of us to act like demons when the Holy Spirit is active in our life. But it does happen. That which we don't want to do, we do. And what we want, we don't do. And I have this little video that came to me a couple of hours ago and I asked Christy, can we include it? Because this video just hit me in the head and I said, I got to share it with these folks. It's not a coincidence that that which we want to do, we don't do. And that what we want to do, we don't. So this little brief snippet, I want you to pay close attention to it, especially you young people. Bro, you said cognitive dissonance. I want y'all to go. If you watching this, go look that up. I did a song about cognitive dissonance and i i didn't use i didn't use that vocabulary i just called it people don't want that real you know what i mean i said people don't want that real they just say that they do That's now right. people don't want that real and i'm one of them too yeah. i'm so easily entertained by ratchet activity violent negative imagery always seem to interest me I tell myself, no more music glorifying evil, selling drugs, womanizing, killing our people. Then I hear a song with a tight beat and can't deny it. The hook is catchy, so I subconsciously memorize it. Next thing you know, I'm reciting all the lyrics. And my day don't feel complete unless I hear it. Inviting darkness in my spirit, this can't be light. I'm craving what I'm supposed to be fighting, this can't be right. I must be blind to the effects, this can't be sight. Death is in the power of the tongue, and this can't be life. Be careful what you get involved with, because you can't support a cause, but then hate the effects that it causes. That which we don't want to do, we do. 
and what we want to do, we don't. Let me explain from one angle why. And afterwards, we're going to open up this altar for a time of prayer. But first, um, we're going to open up this altar for those that want to come up here and spread yourself before the Lord. For those of us that want to seek discipline, courage, and strength to put him on, we're going to come up here and find authority, boldness, and power to do that. But before we go there, I want to explain to you something about what this gentleman was talking about regarding the struggle that us as believers have. I, I try to understand what I'm about to tell you for about 20 years of my life as a believer. And it was at the beginning of this year that the Lord revealed to me what I'm about to share with you. And I hope is a blessing for you. And it has to do with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's one God. There's only one God. Not three. He just manifested himself three ways. God the Father who is a spirit revealed himself as a man through Jesus Christ. And for those of us who believe what he did on the cross so that we won't be alone and have power, he pours the Holy Spirit into your life. That's how the Trinity, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit works. And you know what's cool? That has never been done in history. He's never done that from time ancient of days when he dealt with Humanity back then, he never did that where he would impart his spirit to dwell in us. Never been done. We're told also in scripture that we are made in his likeness, right? That he made us in his image. So you know what? That means we have three components to us. And I'm going to explain it to you. You've heard a verse where it talks about love the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart, and your soul. Why do you think that is? Because there are three components to us. Now, we use these words interchangeably. But I'm going to hopefully speak with clarity. We have our mind. We have our body, our heart. And we have our soul, our spirit. We have our mind where we think, I, I like to say it's the CPU of us, is our CPU. We have our body where we act, where our heart has feelings that prompt actions. It's physical. And then we have a spirit, a soul. And you hear these words used interchangeably, but don't be confused. They're speaking the same thing. We have a mind, we have a heart, and we have a soul. God the Holy Spirit takes residence or dwells within our spirit. When he comes to dwell in you, it's in that area you cannot taste, you cannot feel, you cannot see, you cannot smell. It's the spirit part of us. In there, he fuses himself with us. 
It's supernatural. And this is done for the believer by faith alone. Faith in his word and knowledge and it's a fact. So now, our soul, your soul, your spirit is secure forever. You will never lose your salvation once he resides in you. Ever. But what happens? This is what happens. We still think. We still feel. And this is where the clash of our spirit is within ourselves. You see, because our thinking, sometimes we let it wander. We create imaginations, and we don't grab those thoughts and bring it captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. So there we struggle in our mind. And guess what we do as believers sometimes? We think demonic things. We open doors to demons that we're not ought to because we're not disciplining our thought life and bringing it under the submission of the spirit that is within us. The same thing happens with our feelings, our heart. We feel something. We say sometimes, it feels so good. How can this be a sin? Right? We're prompted by our feelings. We do things that is horrendous. You ever catch yourself doing something? That you shouldn't. That's because we don't bring our body and discipline it to submit to the spirit that's within us. That's why we do what we don't want to do and don't do what we want to do. Now, there are some things that's beyond our reach. But I spoke to you through the word of God of things that you and I are responsible for. To put off and to put on. And some of them have to do with how you think and what you're thinking about. Some of it has to do with what you're doing and what you're allowing your feelings to guide you in. Don't trust your feelings. They lie. They're part of our flesh. And this flesh is wicked and sinful. There is nothing nice about you or me. This, there is, this is all horrendous. If it wasn't for what Jesus did on the cross, this would be destroyed. Actually, it is going to die. That's why we're going to get a new body. Because this is garbage. So don't trust your feelings. And whenever you want to do something... Question, resist first. Does it align with what God wants? Whenever you're thinking about something, hold it. Bring it to his word. Does this align to what God wants? Don't just let your thoughts run rampant. Don't just let your feelings and your actions run rampant. Let the Holy Spirit that's in you be that check valve that puts you in check to see if everything you're thinking and want to do aligns with what he wants for your life. This is our struggle. And in this struggle, I've asked the worship team to come up 
in the midst of this struggle and begin to open up this altar to bring this fight to the Lord, to bring your wrestle, this battle to the Lord because the weapons of our warfare are not only physical. Even though there's things that we have to do, we still need to come in prayer so that the Holy Spirit can have access in everything that we're thinking and doing. This is a spiritual combat that affects the physical. But we must know the rules of engagement. If not, the enemy will try to defeat us. And he will always hinder our walk. In Colossians, it spoke about putting off these things. A few verses later, it spoke about putting on these things. Let's let the Holy Spirit within you and me affect your body and your mind. Bring your thoughts and bring your cravings to him. To this altar to inquire of the Holy Spirit to give you discipline, to give you courage, and to give you strength. We open this place here for you to come meet God and learn how to get trained. Learn how to get control. Learn how to get authority. To be bold, to be determined, to have power, to have leverage, to get a grip on your thoughts and the actions that you take that the Holy Spirit wants you to bring before him.
going to ask Sister Megan to seal this in prayer. Father God, we come before you tonight and we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you train our hands to war. We thank you, Father God, that you bring your instruction by your spirit and you search the hearts of the ones you love. Tonight, Lord, as they've come to lay their hearts upon the altar, Father God, we believe that you have sealed, Lord, this message. We believe that you have sealed within the hearts of everyone who has yielded to you tonight new instruction, Lord God. They have come, Father God, to train their hands to war by your instruction. And so, Father, we seal that in their hearts tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done in the hearts of each one that has come before you this evening. Lord, and we thank you, Father God, that you are sitting upon the throne of heaven tonight. Lord God, that you have instructed these faithful ones, Lord, tonight, Lord God, to come to yield to you, to lay their hearts upon the altar, Father, to be circumcised and for your fire to fall upon them tonight, Lord, as you have filled them afresh with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. We believe, Lord, that you are raising up an army within this house, Lord God, to take the 
harvest, Lord God, and to uh, assist, Lord God, in bringing this house to new levels, Lord God. You are raising up intercessors and prayer warriors tonight, Lord God. You are raising up teachers. You are raising up, Lord God, those who will bring the word outside of these four walls, Lord God. And as hearts have yielded, Lord, you have raised warriors this evening. And so, Father, we seal, Lord God, the word that was sown tonight, Lord God, and we say that it has fallen on fertile ground. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that tonight, Lord God, marks a new beginning in this house, Lord God, that we are going to see miraculous things happen, not because of who we are, but because of the yielded hearts before you in this house. So, Father, we thank you for what you've done tonight. We thank you for what you will continue to do. And we bless it all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Gucci, for that word. Just as you go about throughout the rest of the week, just take time to meditate on that. We need to lay our selfish selves down. Amen. So that Jesus can fill us. So that when people look at us, they see Jesus. We have so such a battle against our own flesh, our own wills. But I know that it's the desire of each of our hearts here that God be glorified in each of us. So, Father, seal that word in us, Lord. Help us to lay ourselves down that we might become more like you. In Jesus' name. <laughs>